Welcome to the Faith in the Messy Middle podcast. I'm your host, Jenny, a regular Jesus-loving girl, just like you, trying to figure out how to keep the faith in the messy moments of life. Ever find yourself thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if God gave us a user's manual to get through life? I believe he does, through his word and the stories of others. On each episode, I'll be chatting with women who have gone through some very messy middle moments and have kept faith by their side. It is my hope and prayer that in hearing his word and their stories, we will grow in our relationship with God and be reminded of his immense love for us, that we'll be able to keep the faith as we continue to walk through this messy thing called life. On today's episode, I had the opportunity to interview a woman who I have respected for a very long time and her walk with the Lord. Her name is Rebecca Randall, and she and I first met when I was in college, newly engaged my husband, Mark. We attended the same church, and I got to watch her love and serve those around her in any way and every way she possibly could. My husband and I were serving as youth directors for our church at the time, and she immediately invited me to do a book study with her on how to romance your husband, and I am forever grateful for her inviting a newlywed woman into sharing her wisdom on how to have a successful marriage, and it was during that time that I got to know a little bit more about Rebecca's story and where her passion for helping women truly came from. Every time I hear her story, I am reminded of how much God immensely loves us and wants to use us regardless of what we walk through. So without further ado, my conversation with Rebecca Randall. My name is Rebecca Randall, and I actually live in Altoona, Florida, a little small town. Um, my husband and I have six children, but we raised all at the same time 11. Um, and a fun fact about me is I love aircraft. I love jet airplanes and had the awesome opportunity to work on them for about 21 years. And I get pulled back to them every now and again in my memories and in my mind. I love that. I didn't realize that you did that for that long. Yeah, 21 years. Tell us a little bit about how you became a follower of Jesus. I was raised in a family of believers. We went to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. So I had an experience when I was 13 years old and I went to church camp. But from that experience and through my adulthood, there was not any evidence of my really knowing Christ. And so part of that time period before we moved here to Umatilla in 1996, I was very involved in alcohol and different kinds of substance abuse. And so when we moved here in actually the 20th of June, 1996, the kids and I moved here and I went to church the following day, which happened to be Sunday. And um, just something about that experience was very heavy on my heart. And so I went to the altar to pray and a woman that I had never even seen before in my life, came to the altar and she put her hand on me and she just began to pray for me. And that just blew my mind um, because I still was involved in some things that I later learned that I could give up because of the power of Jesus in my life. And so that woman um, stuck to me like glue she called me, she prayed with me, she took me to Bible study and every women's event that happened. And every time I would tell her something that I was just sure would make her not want to be my friend and would disqualify me from the love of God, 
she said time and time again, Rebecca, God is bigger than that. And so my husband and I, when Brad got here, we started going to youth on Wednesday nights with our children. And at the time, the youth pastor was Dan Phillips, and he allowed us to be part of the class. He, he taught us how to read the Bible and to use the Strong's Concordance and all of those kinds of things. And so there was within me something birthed and I always explain it like a bubbling brook because it has never been satisfied in me. And so on the 24th of March, 2004, out at Jack and Gail Sladish's home, I was baptized in the lake. And um, since that moment, I have been absolutely certain of whose I am and who I am in him. I love that. I love that. It's just a, such a reminder for me of when we get those promptings in church or what, even if it's not a church setting yeah. to go and be near someone, to go and pray for them, that we have to step out boldly in that because that changed yeah. the trajectory of you moving here in the community that you had around you. Cause it would have been very easy to Absolutely. find a different community. <laughs> it sure would. It sure would. I'd like for you to share a little bit more about the substance abuse issues that you were having and then your transition to being where you are today, because I know in life, we've had so many messy middle moments, and I'm sure there's a million more that you could share with us. And I've, I've seen you walk through several other ones, especially in the past couple of years. But that's the one that I, I feel has impacted me the most and how I became to know you and respect you so much in your walk with the Lord. Thank you. Well, as a teenager, um, my father was in the Air Force and we moved all the time. It kind of created a trauma within me that I didn't know how to connect to people because we were constantly on the move. When I entered into high school, the group of people that was eager to accept me and connect with me were what we at that time called the stoners. I got into this lifestyle of smoking marijuana and taking pills and doing cocaine and anything else that was on the buffet, so to speak. Um, so I grew up very involved in that kind of an environment. Um, and when I was 17 years old, um, my oldest daughter was born and she passed away. And so that just kind of spiraled me down into a big pit of depression. Um, I just kind of went a little wild. But at the same time, I actually entered into the United States Air Force and kind of kept my self together as far as the substances went because drinking alcohol was very much accepted and actually promoted mm -hmm. on the flight line where I worked on um, jet aircraft. And so those years I drank very heavily. I got out of active duty in 1992 and um, Brad and I weren't married yet then, but we were dating. And we moved together to North Carolina, and it was in North Carolina that I went right back to where I left off with substance abuse. It was like there had never been a time when I wasn't using. And so at that time, gosh, it was just really crazy, Jenny. Brad went to Saudi. We, I had three children. He had three children, and I was just a nutcase, um, literally. 
Brad's father had was really sick with cancer. And so he decided that he thought we needed to move back to Umatilla. I, at that time, was in the United States Air Force Reserves, and he could not move back with us. So the children and I moved back, as I said, on the 20th of June, 1996. And the next day, I went to church. And that, like you said earlier, that put me on a much different trajectory. Mm-hmm. Because while I still had that desire to use and to drink alcohol, something else was happening within me that I didn't really understand. But because of my friend, who is my friend to this day, I love her so much. And it is so good to have had that friend for almost 30 years now. It's just been amazing. As I learned about Jesus and as I learned about the faithfulness of God, something significant was changing within me. I had such a thirst to know the word of God. Um, And my husband will tell you, he thought I was a nutcase because I just couldn't get away from it. I just had this need to be connected. And so sometimes I would sleep in the bed with the word of God open on my face. And he just (laughs) thought I was going crazy. Um, But I just needed God every moment. Um, Because if I didn't, I was going to do something stupid. And I didn't want to live that life anymore. Mm -hmm. My children were becoming teenagers, my oldest boys, very aware of the lifestyle that I had lived. And I wanted something better for them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a better example for them. So in this time that we were going to church on Wednesday nights, we were very involved with many of the youth families. And we just, God just pulled us in. He just said, you are mine. And he just pulled us in. And as he did that, he connected me with several other women. And we just had this desire to take the word of God as it's written in the Bible to different churches throughout Lake County. And so that's what we started to do. We had Bethmore Bible studies. We had different kinds of Bible studies. We just went to any church that would have us. And so in that year, it was 2005, we got so connected to so many different churches. And it was just incredible to see what God was doing. We had a Bethmore Bible study that started on the September 11th, 2005, and we had 139 women come. Wow. Yeah, we were like, whoa, what is that all about? You know, and it was incredible because God brought a Jewish woman who came to know Christ. He brought a mom and her daughter, and they were in Bible study with us when the mother had a heart attack and passed away. Mm -hmm. I mean, he brought us this community that we walked together shoulder to shoulder. And I met um, another good friend of mine who her children had gone to the Mount Dora Bible School, and she was a friend of a group of women who had been praying for a pregnancy care center. And so we begin to pray about that 
Pregnancy Care Center, the group of leadership for those Bible studies. And I was actually walking from our home in Umatilla down to First Baptist Church at the time that uh, Monday night. And I just felt something quicken in my spirit. And the Lord said, what are you what, what are you girls waiting for? They're babies. Yes, I want to save them. So what are you waiting for? And so I shared that with those women after we had Bible study that Monday night. And so we put together this board of directors and we began that process of starting what is now called Life's Choices, which is a women's clinic in Eustace. And God has blessed and blessed and blessed. But in that same time, I began to feel like I was not in the right place. I wasn't misplaced, but I wasn't doing what I should be doing. And so I begin to really study in the word of God. And I begin to talk with the youth pastor and the senior pastor at the time. And my good friend, who's now in heaven, Paul Guthrie, and mm-hmm. um, just talking to them about who I had been and And I said to them one day, I think I'm supposed to open a home for women and children for the moms who struggle with substance abuse. And they said, well, that sounds like you should do that. And I just kept telling them, why would God ask me? I've had so many failures, failure after failure. And how could this God who is perfect in every way want someone like me to do something like that. And every one of them, I will never forget Dan Phillips looking at me and saying to me, Rebecca, why wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he want you to walk with women who are in the place that you used to be in the place that God has now delivered you from? And so I just continued to pray about that. I began to go to seminary in my own time and learn more about God and about the Bible. And I just came to a place where I knew that's what God had called me to do. So as you know, if you were within 18 inches of me for about two years, I was going to tell you about this home for people, women who had children who were struggling with substance abuse or alcoholism. And so God just began to put me in different places where I was learning how to do what he was calling me to do. I met my friend, um, Charlotte Osborne, who at the time I met her, she was the director at the Women's Care Center for Leesburg. And I didn't know that when I met her, but within a couple of weeks, I was job shadowing her there. And then several months later, I became her assistant there. And so through those things, God just continued to confirm that, yes, this is what I have allowed you to go through all of these things so that you can save women, not just through their current situations in the, but yes, that too, but save them in respect to the kingdom of God and for eternity. That's what I've been doing since March of 2006. And God has, talk about blow your mind. He has done some of the most amazing things. And he has allowed me to love 
so many amazing women and their children are growing and a lot of them are in high school and about to graduate, which mm-hmm. just totally blows my mind, but it is. And it's just been the hardest, most wonderful, fulfilling thing that I've ever done other than raise my children mm-hmm. and love my husband. <laughs> I think it's so neat how God took what was your biggest pain point, your desire for community and what Satan yeah. used to just get at you over and over again and turn yeah. that into the thing that you get to bless women through over and over again, that you get yeah. to help them create a healthy community because community is always available to us. We will it always is. find a place to, to fit in. It just yes. determines we have to defi- decide how much we're willing to change to fit into that community. Right. And you give women a place to be who God created them to be and have yes. community as well, which I just think is so incredible. And I, I, what's that one quote? Um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I just feel that way every yeah. time I hear your story yeah. that Thank I'm you. so grateful that you didn't let the lie that Satan could have whispered that you're not good enough. You don't deserve anybody else could do this. And you pushed yeah. through that and said, no, God called me to this yeah. and he will then qualify me to do this. And as a result, yeah. I mean, hundreds of women have come to know Jesus, have beaten yes. their substance addictions, are reunited with their yes. children. I mean, I love following yes. so many of them on Facebook. And I had the opportunity yes. to work with Rebecca a little bit at the Ruth house for a, a like six month period there. And so, so many and of these women so are, are big friends of mine. And yes. it's just incredible. The fact that you were willing to say yes. And to, again, you changed the trajectory of their lives. The house that Rebecca's talking about opening was actually, is wasn't that your home? It was, it was. Um, actually, we opened it in Altoona in a double wide trailer and we could help five women. And at that time, I was still working at the Women's Care Center in Leesburg. And so every morning I would drive to that house, pick all those women up, take them to Leesburg with me, and they would be in those classes there. And then at the end of the day, I'd take them home. And so very quickly, we realized, oh my gosh, we can only help five women and we, our phone is blowing up every mm-hmm. single solitary day. And so Brad actually was getting ready to go to Peru for off the trails um, with Kim Holmes and her mm-hmm. ministry down there. And so he said, let's pray in our separate places while I'm gone for the next two weeks and let's see what God tells us. And so when he came home, I could not wait for him to get out of that car. Um, <laughs> and as soon as he saw me, he said, I think I know where God is telling us to move Ruth house. And I said, I do too. And about at the same time, we said our house. And so that was um, the end of January. And we moved out of our house and actually into Kim Holmes's home mm-hmm. um, in Altoona. Um, and by the uh, 10th of February, Ruth House was in Umatilla at our house where we raised our children. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to see God kind of bring that full circle. One of my um, favorite stories in the Bible is about God with his people and how he splits the Red Sea for Moses and the people come through the sea and all of those things that God brings his people through and all of their complaining and their whining and crying and all that jazz. He then tells Joshua, when you step your foot, when those priests, the 12 tribes, every priest 
When the first one sticks his foot in the Jordan River, the waters are going to separate. And once he gets all of the Israelites across, he tells Joshua, I have brought you full circle. And so to this day, there is a monument, so to speak, of these stones that the priests picked up out of the riverbed and they set them up. Not like this, but set them up and they are still there today. And that place is called Gilgal, which means full circle. And so it's so cool how you said just a few minutes ago about how God took this thing that I thought was going to destroy me. And he interjected this precious woman in my life to tell me that wasn't for for nothing. Mm-hmm. There was much about that, that I was going to be able to use in the lives of others. And I had no idea at that time. I just thought that I was learning about this magnificent God who loves us regardless of how many times we disqualify ourselves. He is faithful always. Uh, My favorite verse um, at from the time we started Ruth House, Ruth 4.14 says, praise be to God for he has not left us this day without a kinsman redeemer. And that's what Ruth House did. It became a safe haven for those women and their children so that they could kind of take a pause and say, wait a minute. I don't have to keep doing what the world tells me to do. I get to make some choices. And so the thing I tell them all the time today is I tell them, I am convinced of this one thing. He who began a good work in you will see it to its finish. And that is an absolute promise from God. When he starts something in you and I, we can't even stop it. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen as long as we just cooperate with him. And I learned over all of those years, I had been rebellious and disobedient to my parents pretty much from birth. And I carried that rebellion with me through a lot of things that I probably, I could have done without, but I didn't. But what I've learned is that obedience is the place of safety. Mm -hmm. And it is the place of great joy. You know, when when I'm obedient today, I I just think of all the things God has saved me from. Mm -hmm. Who knows what could have happened, you know, and what could have happened to our children. And I'm just so grateful that God can take, what is that quote? They say, God can take your mess and make it a message. Mm -hmm. And he's just incredible. And he will do what he says he's going to do. We just have to allow him access, you know, to our hearts and our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think of that quote quite often when I think of the Ruth house and the women that I walked, watched walk through there is that the mess was, wasn't, wasn't for nothing. Is it what God right. had planned for us? No, it wasn't, but yeah. God will use everything and anything to share his love with others and to show yeah. how incredible he is. And so yeah. I, I think that's a perfect quote to talk about your story as well as the women who have gone 
gone through the Ruth house and have had the privilege of, of understanding that, yes, there might be a mess, but God will use it to, to create a message for you to share with the world. And you were brave yeah. enough and bold enough to do that. And there's nobody who can clean a mess up like he can't. Right? <laughs> nobody. <laughs> and we for sure can't clean up the messes we make because I've tried and it yeah. just gets messier. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. If there was a, some practical advice that you could give to women who are in that place of they know what they're doing with the substance abuse isn't okay, but they don't know how or what to do next, what's something that you would want to share with them? Find somebody who will walk with you. Find somebody who loves Jesus, who's willing to just walk with you, sit and talk with you. Reach out. You don't have to stay stuck where you're at. There are people who are willing to walk shoulder to shoulder with you. And substance abuse, in my regard, after all these years of working with women, is almost always because of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, a hurt and a wound that needs the healing balm of Jesus Christ. And so if you are in that situation where you're struggling with substance abuse and you are like I was a closet junkie, I would do my thing in the bathroom or the closet. If you're doing that, you don't have to keep hiding. You don't have to hide your hurt. You don't have to hide your dysfunction. You don't have to hide any of those things because there are men and women who truly love Jesus Christ, who are willing to walk with you. So I would say, reach out, reach out to somebody that you know, for sure loves Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, I love that tip. That's, it seems like that's been the reoccurring theme on every episode so far is get into community, find someone to yes. walk with you because Satan works best yes. in isolation. Yes. So let's not give him that foothold. What would you sure. say was probably your biggest struggle to go from where you were to where you are now? my own thoughts. I love, um, yeah, I love Romans one and two or 12, one and two, where he tells us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is our, you know, act of worship and to renew our minds by the washing of the word. Cause then we know what God's will is of will is for us. That is the thing that sometimes even today I battle with you know, some of the things that we've been going through lately. And mm -hmm. so I worry about finances and doctors and, you know, all those things. And what I know for sure is God is not surprised about any of it, mm -hmm. not one bit of it. And he is going to get us where he wants us to be, but we have a part to play in that. When I catch myself with those thoughts in my head, I do what the Bible tells me to do. I take anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and I take those thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ. I say, Lord, that is an incorrect thought. I know it's not the thought that you have for me. So I turn on my praise and worship music and crank it as loud as I can. <laughs> and I get into a spirit of worship and then God works it out, you know? And so I don't know if maybe other people have um, conquered that. I don't know in our humanness if that's ever something that I will conquer. But what I do know is I'm going to fight the fight. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I'm going to keep reminding myself who Christ says I am. And I'm going to keep taking those thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ, because that is when the peace comes. For me, that is what I have to do pretty much all the time. (laughs) I feel like I feel that very, very deeply. I feel that our thoughts can be the thing where we win or the thing where we lose. And I think you said so, so well that earlier when you talked about obedience, God just asks us to get into his word and turn over our concerns to him. And he will show us the truth because again, it's so easy in our minds to get in that downward spiral of this is the end of all things and what ifs. And um, I I read a devotion several years back where it talked about that verse about take every thought captive. And it was talking about how our translation doesn't, the, the verbiage isn't as aggressive as what it was intended to be and how it's really like, it's a guard at a gate fiercely interrogating someone like, what right do you have to enter this place? And I just think of like, God wants us to fiercely interrogate those thoughts. Like what right do you have here? Because I'm a child of God. And if you don't echo that, you don't belong. Yes. Yeah. And that captive in the Greek, that word translates also into like a trap Mm -hmm. like you and I are to really take a hold of that thought and give it to Christ and make it captive and no longer allow it to keep stirring around in our heads that's the thing I have to work at quite a bit and so I guess I'll live the rest of my life if I have to doing that same, same. I'm not sure if there's a way to escape that. I don't either. What would you say has been the biggest challenge? And then to follow that up, the biggest blessing of walking with women through their recovery? Oh, wow. The biggest challenge is walking with them when they don't believe what I'm saying to them. Because mm-hmm. there's always that period of time where and pretty much it happens with every single one of them where they think, Miss Rebecca, you are a nutcase. I don't even know what you think you're going to accomplish here. Mm-hmm. And so it is that all that junk, all their trauma, everything they're currently going through. And that's the challenge. The challenge is to get them to let go of a whole bunch of stuff that they're holding on to that isn't any good for them. Mm-hmm. But the biggest blessing is when I see God help them shed that, mm-hmm. you know, they get to just let go of that. I got to speak with one of our graduates, just talking with her and hearing about her life and the things that God has allowed her to do and her absolute faith and trust in God. And so that is the biggest blessing. The blessing is those women that really know who Jesus is. And even though like she's got hard stuff that's going Mm -hmm. on in her life, I don't know anybody who doesn't, Right. but yet she isn't allowing those hard things to keep her from walking where God would have her to walk, you know? And so it's that dichotomy of I think you're crazy because you talk about this God like he's your best buddy that's what they always tell me uh-huh. and I tell him he is he is my best buddy and then just seeing them get their families back together and watch God 
do a new work in them and in their families and just getting to see them be successful when they thought, I'm never going to have any more than I do right now. And and life's always going to be a fight. Mm -hmm. And it just isn't. It's not always going to be a fight. It is sometimes, but not always. Well, and I think the fight looks different when you have Christ fighting with you. Oh, absolutely. Where could someone go to learn more about the services that you offer at the Ruth House or a way to support the ministry financially or spiritually? Actually, in 2016, we um, started partnering with a men's ministry called His Powerhouse. And um, actually, we started doing that in 2015. But in 2016, we made the decision to bring Ruth House and his powerhouse under the same um, nonprofit, which is called Hand in Hand Lake County. And we did that because we realized that I was paying administrative costs and he was paying administrative costs and we were really doing the same thing. So why don't we come together and just pay the administrative cost one dime, you know, kind of thing. And so we merged together. And so now we are hand in hand Lake County, but God has blessed the ministry like crazy. Um, We now have two women's homes. And so we are in um, Eustis, Florida. We have a woman's home for our new girls. And then we have a women's home for our graduates. And so they come through our program then they move to the second house and they get to apply what they learned when they were in program. Mm -hmm. And so um, we now can help 28 ladies. We went from helping five women to now we can help 28. So our men's ministry has also grown and we have three houses and they can help like 33 men. Dave was telling me the other day that he just showed him another house. And so we don't know what God's up to, but he's up to something. Um, So we have um, a website where you can go and see who we are and what we do and all that kind of thing. And it's www.addictionhelp.solutions. There's an S on the end of that solutions. Um, Or you could call us at um, 352-771-2468 or 352-308-8899. Now, the first one is the women's house and the second one is our men's. The director at the women's house, her name is Shannon Harris, and she's a wonderful young woman. And the director at the men's house, his name is James Wixed, and that's W-I-X-E-D. If anybody needs any help in that regard with alcoholism or substance abuse, all they need to do is call those two numbers, and uh, they can reach me or Shannon or James, and they'll get the help that they need. Would you like to go ahead and pray for women or men who are thinking about walking out of their addiction and into recovery? I would love to pray. All right, I'll go for it. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and we know, Father, that you are who you say you are. So, Father, we know that there are many men and women who are out there all over the world, Father, in the highways and the byways and on the streets, Lord, who struggle 
with alcoholism and substance abuse. And Father, I just pray that you would reach out to all of those people, those men and those women today. I pray, Father, that you would especially reach out to those who their hearts and their minds are just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I pray, Father God, that you would draw their hearts close to your own, Father, and that you would give them hope that you would steer them to the places where they can get the help that they need so that you can use them to help others, to help others. Father, you are so good and you are so gracious to us and you are so mighty to save. Father, I just thank you so much on behalf of each one of them, Lord God, that I know you have a plan for their lives. I know, Father God, that it's a good plan and it's a plan to prosper them and to give them a hope and a future. So, Father, I just speak that out into um, the hearts of those people, Father God, who need our help. Um, No matter where they are, there is a way out. And so, Father, I pray that you would just be about that and that you would help us, Lord God, to honor you in all of the things that we do, Father, and all of the things that we say. And we just pray these things, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. My prayer is that you are encouraged to continue to keep the faith in your messy middle moments and to share your testimony, his testimony of faithfulness. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with a friend who may need that reminder to keep the faith. I'm always looking for testimonies to feature. If you'd like to share yours with me, email me at faithinthemessy at gmail.com. Until next week, praying for you and whatever messy moment you may be in.